0: All right, Emmaus. Oh, sorry about that. Back up just a little bit there. Um, you know, one of my uh, favorite parts of what we do with the celebration of, of baptism, through someone sharing their testimony, to know that you don't just see somebody walk in there, say their name, keep going, but just to see the work of God's grace in their life and, and to be able to celebrate that. And one of the things we've been doing as part of this sermon series is also trying to include... Some testimonies about how God uses sports and recreation and leisure in bringing people along in the relationship with the Lord, and also as as a form of missions. And so we're going to hear about a sport this morning called RVing. Is that how is that the sport? Like you you race down the uh, you race down the road in the RV or see how that works? Um, Gary and Sandra Shaw and their helper Lily this morning. Uh, Gary and Sandra are involved in a ministry that I wanted them to be able to tell you just a little bit about. So, Gary, introduce what the ministry is and what you all do as part of that.
1: Okay. You're good. We belong to a group called Campers on Mission. And it's a uh, mission outreach from North American Mission Board that was formed back in the 1970s. And it takes advantage of RV enthusiasts like Sandra and I who like to get out and travel. And we also go to churches and church camps, children's homes, and do uh, work, fix up, uh, rebuild, whatever needs to be done. Uh, the ladies do sewing ministries. Uh, at one of the children's homes we go to, they get the little box tops off of the the cereal boxes, and those have to be trimmed perfectly so that they can send them in. They take about three days at one of the church camps to, uh, or at the children's home to be able to do that. And so they, they stay busy with that. Some of the sewing ministry that they do is uh, little dresses that, that are sent overseas, and uh, mm-hmm. some hats and things that go to, to nursing homes and things like that, so it keeps us busy. And uh, it's a great way to get out, and uh, part of our theme is sharing Jesus as we go. Yeah. And then within our song uh, of Campers on Mission, it says, as we travel the highways and byways, through the fields, white with harvest will go. And in the strength of the Lord, we'll share his word as we go. And uh, so it's it's a great opportunity to, to utilize your desire to have an RV and get out and travel and, uh, and get out and minister. Uh, the work that we do at these churches yeah. and church camps uh, have an eternal uh, uh, benefit. Uh, we'll never know how many lives have been touched by that. Yeah. But uh, we're we're privileged to be able to do that. And uh, now you
0: guys didn't you didn't buy an RV to get into campers on mission. You there's a
1: there's a pre story to that. So uh. we we did have an RV. Yeah. <laughs> and got into that, uh, and it, it has uh, evolved into almost a full time job. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we started out with a tent camper and. Uh, it moved up to, uh, I think, we've got about a 34-foot fifth wheel now. but uh, that, that first was,
0: camper, did it have a big screen TV and, uh, and Wi-Fi and all that? It, it did not have it a TV.
1: Uh, we had to entertain ourselves, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, but that, that worked out good. And that ministry has taken us across the United States and uh, all the way up to Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, uh, where we went and worked for about six weeks and helped out with the church up there. So it's a, it's a great way to go and, and share share Jesus. Uh, each state uh, has a chapter of campers on mission. Oklahoma has one that's very active and they're involved in a lot of uh, construction rebuild projects. I think the next one uh, is coming up very shortly over in the eastern part of the state. And uh, we happened to join in Kansas, Nebraska back in 1997. So I think that ties in with endurance. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, that ties in with that. Uh, I, I'm in a kind of a unique position. Uh, Sandra and I have stayed with Kansas-Nebraska Campers on Mission, but we also belong to the Oklahoma chapter, but I happen to be the president of the Kansas-Nebraska chapter. <laughs> and in 2019, in June, we're gonna host the National Campers on Mission Rally in Hutchison, Kansas, and we expect 125 to 150 RVs from across the United States will be there and it's a great opportunity to get together and learn, and uh, we have seminars on how to take care of your RV all the way up how to hang sheetrock, and uh, so it's uh, it's quite a, quite a, it's a privilege to be able to do that kind of ministry. Yeah. Uh,
0: Two things I hope you pick up there uh, from their testimony. One is that as you go, you know, whether it's RV or whether it's 10 or 20 or 30 other things that you enjoy doing that that's not separate from our faith in christ the lord uses those things um and and allows us to be able to be involved also with the uh, national convention coming next year to to kansas if this is something you're interested in this is a great time to jump in uh campers on mission is one of our uh, best kept secrets in southern baptist life as far as missions and ministry and things
1: like that so and you can take your kids and grandkids with you and uh Lily's uh, older sister uh, made five national rallies with us. And uh, she uh, she knows the campers on mission song better than I do. And so it's 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 a privilege.
0: Sandra, anything you want to say? Are you good on that? You're good. All right. That's great. That's great. I want to I want to pray for for this sweet couple. They mean so much to me and to our church. And so we're going to pray together and then we're going to jump into a study of, of God's word. Father, thank you for the reminder through this testimony that whatever those talents and interests that you've given us those are from you and and to be used for your glory and your purposes and god thank you for gary and sandra and the way they lived it out we know so many people during the summer are traveling and involved in different activities uh, but god you use those you redeem those and as we go we're going into fields that are white for harvest people's hearts who have been prepared um, those seeds that have been planted and are being watered and so god continue to open our eyes to how we can do that, ways we can be involved. Um, And, Father, that this would be just a small part of all you want to do in and through our church. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, thank you. If you would, open your Bible to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. So. Here in just a little bit, after we finish our time of studying God's Word, we're going to stand up and we'll sing a final hymn together, one hymn that just really ties in so well with what we're looking at this morning in Scripture. And as we do that, we will pass the offering plates during that response song. If you're a guest of ours this morning, when that plate comes around during the response time, if you would put in there that guest card that's in the seat back in front of you, let us know how we can be praying for you. Um, If there's questions we could answer for you We just want to be able to know uh, What we can do to reach out and care for you So when that offering plate comes by During that song and the response We want you to be able to to put that in there We're in the middle of a sermon series called Game On That tied into our Vacation Bible School uh, Theme that we had this year About sports Next week all right, Prepare yourself for this This is either going to be a blessing or a curse for you Next week is wear your jersey to church day, okay? Last Sunday of the sermon series, now that may strike you um, not in good conscience or you just don't feel appropriate wearing your jersey, that's okay, no judgment. If that's not something you feel comfortable with next Sunday, you do not have to do that. I will have a jersey on uh, next Sunday. We're we're doing this just as a way to continue to remind us what the Lord has been doing in our hearts and our lives through the sermon series, and so if you have a jersey, and it's not burnt orange. Um, you can wear it, uh, you can wear it next next week, uh, but we, we wanna be able to do that as we continue to wrap up and think about what it means to, uh, to trust the Lord in all aspects of our life and how he uses these sports themes to to guide us along. This morning in particular, We're focused on the idea of endurance, this call to keep going. You may be here this morning. Hear me out on this as we we get rolling. You may be here this morning, and you're right on the edge of giving up. There's something you're facing that you say, I do not know if I can keep going. You have internal doubts that are eating you up. You may be in the worst form of giving up where it's just that feeling of, I just don't care anymore. I just feel dry and and lethargic and apathetic and the call this morning is to endure, to keep going, to press on. If you're here this morning with family and friends and you're not a follower of Jesus, you may be asking questions about where's my life heading? What's the purpose of this? What am I running so hard after that I still don't feel fulfilled? I still don't see what the purpose of this is. And so what we're looking at this morning is a way that God's word speaks to that question. Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, May God bless the reading of his word. So the sport, the activity, the word that we're keying in on this week is the idea of running. When you think about running and you think about the Christian faith, you think about probably Eric Liddell, who competed in the 1924 Paris Olympics and refused to complete in the, compete in the 100-meter qualifying because it happened on a Sunday and he went on to compete in the 400 which wasn't his best event but he ends up winning gold in that and I think he also took bronze in the 200 at the at the 24 Olympic Games but Liddell said I believe God made me for a purpose but he also made me fast and when I run I feel his pleasure I have never felt that way I love the story of Eric Liddell. I think it's an incredible expression of the Christian faith. And I've read that quote over and over again. And I've, I've heard runners talk about the runner high that you get when you continue to run and you get into this. I've never gotten there. Like I, just, I, I, I fail to feel the pleasure in running. Uh, I associate running with all the training you do in sports uh, as you're going through the season. Uh, my dad ran in college. My brother ran part of a marathon a few weeks ago without training at all, and I just don't like to run. I, I don't know where where it is. When I was in college at, at Oklahoma Baptist University, uh, we had, you have the Shawnee Airport that uh, is there just to the, just to the west of the school, and there was a track that would kind of go over in this park area around the airport, and so when we were trying to be somewhat in shape in college, we'd start out from, from OBU and run west and then kind of go there around the airport. I was running that section one time and was headed back toward the school, about to come down MacArthur toward, toward Oklahoma Baptist University there, and I just start to turn to the right to head back to the school. And in my peripheral vision off to the left, I glimpse a group of people coming, and I realize it's the St. Gregory's girls track team and they are coming down down the road from St. Gregory's here I'm going to turn probably about 25 to 30 yards in front of them heading back toward OBU and immediately it hits me I'm going to be overtaken like (laughs) this group of girls from the track team I guarantee are going to run me down I'm tired because I've already run a pretty good way I'm not fast I don't like to run to begin with, and here comes the girls' track team uh, from from St. Gregory's. So you have a couple of thoughts as a college guy that goes through your mind at that time, like, oh, if I slow down or I trip or something like that, you know, maybe that wouldn't be the worst thing, but then you're just incredibly embarrassed. And so at that point, out of sheer panic, I take off running incredibly fast. (laughs) Probably to the point that had the OBU track coach been watching me, I could have got picked up by the OBU track team at that point, which has a legendary track team. Uh, and so for the next section from the airport back to OBU, this girl's track team is slowly gaining on me. Thankfully, at this point, we live in the MacArthur apartments that are right there on the side. So I just hang a left into the—it wouldn't matter if I lived there or not. I was still going in there. But uh, <laughs> I just hang a left into the apartments and don't even look back at this point at this, at this group of people chasing me. When you are running for a purpose, you are able to keep going. When you are running for a purpose, you are able to keep going. In Scripture, the idea of running is when you are running with your eyes set on a goal, when you are desperate not to be passed by somebody behind you, when you don't want to be embarrassed, when you have your eyes set ahead, you run with purpose, you run with endurance. And that's exactly the call in Scripture this morning. Look back in verse 1. The main verb in verse 1 of Hebrews 12 is let us run. The word run in the Greek Greek language is the word treko, T-R-E-K-O. Obviously, those are the English letters given over for that word, but You think about a trek, that's still a word we use in English sometimes, the word trek, and it's tied back to that concept of running. We're called to run. How are we called to run? We're called to run with endurance. This idea of keep going, don't give up. This is not a sprint. Especially kids, hear me out, and and teenagers as well. The Christian life is not a sprint. Sometimes we have a tendency to take off as fast as we can, and you're gun ho for a Jesus and, and especially coming off camp or vacation Bible school, this is especially important. You're excited, I'm gonna run, watch how fast I run. You run fast, and then it all just kind of falls apart, doesn't it? Because sometimes we're tempted to see the Christian life as a sprint and it's not a sprint. It is a long distance endurance race. Eugene Peterson calls Christian discipleship law obedience in the same direction. The reason I love to be a part of a church that is multi-generations is because I, as a young man, want to see what it looks like to have law and obedience in the same direction. Maybe not somebody that's a shooting star, maybe not somebody that runs fast and draws a lot of attention to themselves, but somebody who just day after day, week after week, continues to obey Jesus in the same direction. I need that as a dad and a husband. My kids need to see what that looks like, that you finish well, you keep going. We don't take off sprinting and then say, oh, that was fun, now what do I do next? No, no, we, we keep going. We run with endurance, and we run with endurance the race that is set before us. Here's, I try, I know I probably overdo this a little bit. I try not to overuse Greek words, but there's something kind of fun about that word race. The word race is the word agon, where we get our word agony. That is one of the greatest moments in Greek English literature is the fact that the word race is where we get the word agony uh, because it is an agony to run uh, a lot of races. And so run with endurance the race that is set before us not whatever course you want to run so the call to endurance is not just to take out whatever direction you want and make up the course as you go it's to run the race that's set before you god has laid out what it looks like to follow christ and so sometimes we might say oh watch me i have endurance and then you're just weaving all over the place no no Run with endurance the race that is set out for you. I know it's a little bit in a small print up here, but Philippians 3, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Emmaus, let's run with endurance the race that has been set before us. Individually, as families, as a church, Jaron preached about this a couple of weeks ago, and I was worried. I was like, oh, it's going to be too repetitive from what he said. Well, first of all, we know that you forget what we say. So you don't forget what I say. You might forget what Jaron says. But uh, no, he, he preached about this idea. We cannot stand in front of you enough looking in our own hearts and speaking to you. We cannot stand up here enough and say, keep going, keep going, keep going. Why? because almost everything you face during the week says give up. Almost everything you face on a daily basis says it's not worth it. It's too hard. It's not worth it. It's not even true. Why are you falling after that? There's an easier way to do this, and God's word says keep going. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Big question, how? On the back of your bulletin, Um, If you'd like to follow along with some notes, there's some notes. I'm going to give you three ways that these verses right here, drawn directly from these verses, three ways that God has given us to run with endurance the race marked out for us. Number one, look at others. You go back there to verse one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, the first way... That you're able to run with endurance the race that God has called you to. The way you're able to do this is you're able to look at others. You're not the first ones to have run this race. You're not the first ones called to have faith in God through difficult situations. Look at others who have done this. Now, on this point, the idea—oh, goodness gracious, I messed that slide up terribly. I'm sorry about that. So small. Um, So great a cloud of witnesses— This concept is as you come into an arena or an amphitheater, you're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses. Let me give you a major clarification on something that causes confusion from from this verse. We think about, okay, here we are. We're running this race in this arena, and we're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses. The imagery seems like they are looking down at us watching us run. From what we know from this verse, that, that's not the imagery. And sometimes this imagery is taken to the point, and I want to be very careful here, so hear me out to the end of what I'm saying at this point. The imagery is taken of our loved ones are up in heaven cheering us on, watching us run. I'm not going to say that that's not what's happening, but we don't draw that from this verse. And, and more so, your loved ones in heaven I would want you to think of them looking straight to the Father. Their eyes are set on God, worshiping Him, celebrating Him, resting in His greatness and His goodness. This verse is not the imagery of a group of people looking down at us. It's us looking at them, looking at God. So they're a cloud of witnesses in the sense that they have witnessed to the faithfulness of God. They have lived lives that testify to God's goodness and His grace. So imagine yourself, you're on the racetrack down here running, you're looking up at the crowd, except the crowd isn't looking at you, they're turned looking up as well. They're witnesses to God's faithfulness, and so we're surrounded by people who have been there, done that, seen the goodness of God on display. Which means that the point here is you're not alone. You're not the first ones to have run this. You're not being called to do something that's different than what others have been called to do. And so you have all these Old Testament examples in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 12 begins with the word, therefore, it's pointing back to chapter 11 with all these examples of faith. Let me show you a couple of verses from from chapter 11. Oh, goodness, I messed up again. I I made a mess of this uh, PowerPoint. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. Listen to this next set of verses. In particular, one one phrase I want to bring your attention to. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom... The world was not worthy. One of my favorite phrases in Scripture there in Hebrews 11, these people that suffered so much, how are they known? Are they pitied? No. The writer says they are people of whom the world is not worthy. They wandered about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. What I want you to see there. Is the one of the ways that we are able to continue to run in faith is to know that people have come before us in faith, and God has given us all these examples in the Old Testament people who have done that. Here's something interesting though: as you read Hebrews chapter eleven, you're going to say, "Oh man, that person screwed up royally," and that person lived a pretty rough life, and that person didn't exactly get it right all the time, and. The people in Hebrews 11 are not perfect by any stretch. There are some rough characters in Hebrews chapter 11, but what they are characterized by is faith. Let me set you free of something here. The race of endurance that God has called you to is not a race of perfection, it's a race of faith. It's not a race of always getting everything right, it's a race of always looking in the right direction. And you may be in a situation, or you may have a personality, like, like my own, where if you mess up in one particular area, you just beat yourself up so badly that it ruins everything else that God has called you to at that moment. Now, I'm not saying to overlook and take lightly sin. I'm not saying to, to take lightly those things. What I am saying, though, is if you fail to keep going, because you're not perfect, you've missed the purpose of the race in the first place. Because the reason we're able to run in the first place is not because of our own ability or our own strength, it's because of God's grace and His goodness and what He's called us to and what He's done in our lives through Christ. And so, we're not held back because we're not perfect. Instead, we're called to have faith and to continue to press ahead. Better yet, we we don't just have Old Testament examples of this. We have contemporary examples of people who are suffering incredible persecution and incredible pain, and yet they continue to trust in the Lord. In your notes on the back of your bulletin, I listed three different ministries that are designed to let you know about the persecuted church around the world. Now, I know we have to be careful with these ministries. Sometimes in the past... There's been temptations to inflate statistics or make things sound like they, they're not really the case. But if we're not careful, we're out of sight, out of mind type people. And so we think our experience signifies everything and what it means to be a Christian in the world. But there are people around the world undergoing incredible pain, incredible difficulty. And you can go to these websites. Uh, you can sign up for their newsletter I get the email newsletter from the Open Doors Ministry that's listed on your uh, your bulletin. There, I got an email yesterday about 200 Nigerian Christians who were killed in recent days because of attacks on their on their villages. Wouldn't know about that if it wasn't connected to groups like this that are reminding me, Owen, you're not alone, and you think the things you're going through are difficult. Make sure you see that in perspective. Sometimes we think, oh, look at us. We're we're terribly persecuted, and we miss all of what's happening around the world. We don't want to be out of sight, out of mind type people, and we also don't want to find ourselves being isolated because when you get isolated, that's often when you find yourself giving up. So first, look at others. That's one way that God's called us to endure. The second way that we've been called to endure is to look at ourselves, to look at self. So look at others, then look at self. You go back there. To verse 1, you've been surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, so let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which cleans so tightly. Now this idea here of looking at yourself to say, how do I keep going? How do I continue to endure as a Christian? You take a look at yourself and ask yourself, Am I carrying a little extra weight around with me? And I say that only half-heartedly because in the ancient world, this phrasing right here could be used of one of two things. It could either be used of the fact that oftentimes they would wear these heavy robes around, and if they were going to start running all of a sudden, they would either have to pull that robe up or they would have to take the robe off in order to continue to run. The word in the ancient world also had to do is if you were carrying a little bit of extra you know, something around with you. Uh, our, our coach in high school, if you were rounding first base in baseball and trying to get to second base and you were running particularly slow, he would tell us to unhook the wagon. Uh, like you're carrying a little bit of extra weight with you coming around first base. Like why are you so slow getting into second base to make it a double? Unhook the wagon and run a little bit faster. That's exactly what Hebrews chapter 12 is saying. Unhook the wagon so you can run the race that God has called you to run in Christ. Get rid of some of this excessive weight that's around. What does that look like in terms of the Christian life? It looks like when our love for the world, our love for the things we can touch and see and are temporary and they're right here, we begin to try to hold on to all of it and it begins to slow us down. Because it's hard to run after Christ when you're trying to carry the things of the world with you. This last week, I was doing some work in our house, some painting, so we had to pull everything out of the bedrooms. You have no idea how much stuff is in your kids' rooms until you pull everything out of the bedroom and you get ready to paint. and there was a part of me that was thinking, what happens if we just don't put anything back in? Like, we just, start, we just start completely from scratch at this point. Because you don't realize how much stuff you have, how much weight you're carrying, until you kind of get it all out in the open. And sometimes what we need to do as believers is say, what kind of excessive weight am I carrying around? What is keeping me from running the race that God has called me to run because I'm trying to hold on to all these things. I'm trying to carry all of this with me. The next phrase there, it says, lay aside every weight, this excess weight, but also lay aside the sin which cleans so tightly. So when you're surrounded by all these things, when you're carrying all this weight, what you quickly find is you find yourself distracted, Going after things you shouldn't be going after. God's called you to run this way, and you keep running this way. Galatians chapter 5 is is a good reference on this. Galatians chapter 5, verse 7. Did that verse make it up there? Yeah, it's a little bit bigger. Galatians 5, verse 7. Paul says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Sometimes people will step in. You're running after the things of the Lord. You're trying to keep going, and then someone steps in and says, Oh, you don't want to go that way. It's not worth it. There's another way to go. Follow me this way. This is the story of Proverbs, lived over and over and over again in Scripture. You're running well, someone stepped in and hindered you from going that direction. Hebrews chapter 10 talks about the the difficulty that these people faced. Recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we are of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Two things going on here. Distractions and despair. Distractions and despair. You're running along, you're trying your best to follow after Christ, squirrel. You run over here, chase the squirrel. Trying to follow Jesus, trying to do what God's called you to do, squirrel. Run over here, go this direction. We are a people who are so easily distracted. Why do we gather back together for worship week after week? Why do we say, spend time with the Lord in prayer, look at Scripture, follow after Him? It's because we're distracted. We're constantly finding ourselves going this way and this way, and God says, keep your eyes on me. Go this way. We face despair, we face difficulty. You've, you guys face pain in your lives, and your families that you share with me that, that I can't begin to fathom. And after a while, little by little, that pain starts to wear you down. It starts to turn into despair. You start to say, I do not know if I can keep going. I, I don't know how I'll continue to keep going. Let us run with endurance the race that's marked out for us. How do you do that? You look at others. You look at yourself, taking a self-evaluation, self-awareness of what's happening. And then third, look at Christ. Look at others, look at self, ultimately look at Christ. Look at verse 2. Verse 2 says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame. When you look to Jesus, your understanding of what it means to run the race that you've been called to run all of a sudden comes into perfect clarity. Not look at Emmaus, not look at Owen, not look at the Christian religion, look at Christ. When your eyes are set on him and you understand who he is and what he has done, all these other things begin to open up. Who is he? He's the author or the founder. This can, word can mean a beginner or, or a, a champion of something. He, he ran the race first. He, is, he has completed the race. He's the founder. He's the champion of that. But he's also the perfecter. He has secured it. He's brought it to completion. So he started it. He got it going. And he brought it to completion. He finished it. What did He do in between that? For the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross. Okay, quick word about the relationship between joy and enduring suffering. Let me point you to James chapter 1 in this regard. James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4 where it says, "'Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Here's the clarification I want to make for you. In Christianity, following after Christ, we are not saying that the pain itself is good or joyful. There's a form of religion out there that says, oh, this has happened to you? It's really not that bad. It's actually happy. You're like, no, no, it's bad. It hurts. It's sad. I'm in this despair. In Christianity, we're not calling bad good. We're calling bad defeated. We're not calling the evil situation joyous. We're calling the evil situation defeated. And we have joy because what we're facing right now is not the end of the story. The joy doesn't come in that particular pain. The joy comes in the one who's overcome the pain. And so what I want you to set you free from is saying, look at what my family's facing. Oh, look at us. It's a happy situation. No, no, it's a hard situation. It's it's a painful situation. It's every bit as bad as it feels, except you can count it joy because you know that in facing that situation, that is not the end of the story that God is going to work in and through that situation to bring glory to himself and to do good in your life that goes beyond anything you can ever imagine. So what we're trying to get from is, oh, look at this, it's not that bad. No, it's bad, but we know the one who's overcome that. And so we're able to count it all joy in the midst of that. It says there, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. And then it says at the end of verse two, he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So verse three, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. Look at others, look at self, look at Christ. Only works if we do those in the opposite direction. Other people will let you down at some point, myself included. You look inside yourself, constantly look at yourself, you get distorted vision. Look to Christ, the one who has taken all of your sin, all of your shame, has defeated all the darkness of the world. You look to him, he says, keep going, follow me. I've already finished the race, I know where this is going. Follow me, look to me. Then when you look to Christ, you're able to look inside yourself and say, okay, Now I see, now I see what's going on here. Now I'm able to look at myself with clarity. And now I'm able to look to others because I see all of what Jesus is doing in and through the situation. In this world, you will have trouble. You will have tribulation. But take heart, he has overcome the world. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know where you are in life right now. I don't know who you're surrounded by. But run with endurance the race that is marked out. Run through the finish line. Older adults, do not quit before you get to the end. Run through the finish line straight into glory. Continue to run with endurance, looking to Christ. Look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the stars one by one and calls them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. So why do you complain, O Jacob? And why do you say, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. He does not grow tired and weary. His understanding, who can fathom? He gives strength to the weary and power to the weak. Because even youth grow tired and weary. And young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will rise up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, they will walk and not grow faint. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, you have called us to this race, a race that is sometimes full of incredible joy, and sometimes the joy is found in just simply looking ahead beyond the agony and suffering that we're facing right now. But we can consider all of it joy because we are looking to Christ. Father, I pray for those who are here who are facing deep temptation and sin that they have not told anyone about. They have not confessed to anyone, but it's just weighing on them. God, I pray for those of us who are carrying along the weight of the world trying to run after Christ, but we're dragging this heavy load along with us. God, I pray for the people here this morning who feel isolated. They're about to give up because they're trying to run alone instead of allowing others to come alongside them. God, we want to be a people who are in this for the long haul. God, we want to be a people who week after week are enduring by looking to Christ. And we're able to do that because he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He's victorious, and so we look to him. God, I pray this morning that you would heal hearts, that you would call us to repentance, you would call us to faithfulness in the midst of difficult situations, because you are good and worthy of everything we have to give. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.